This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Welcome to NFL Friday's Week 10. I'm Joe Marie, joined by Tom Scabilia. How is everything, Tom? How are we doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, we got Connor Martinez on fantasy, and again, a very an, another very exciting Thursday night football game. If you if you're into terrible football, that's what we're yeah. learning in Thursday <laughs> night football is that three days is not enough time to prepare for an NFL game. Yeah, they've all been bad. It's the same thing last year, the year before. This year's no different. Uh, I don't know what the NFL could really do about it. I guess you just don't have a Thursday game. But if you put a Thursday game on, it, it's going to be bad. So before we get started, we're going to transition right into our main man, Matt Crow's Jets report as the Jets played last night. So let's turn that over to Matt. The New York Jets kicked off Week 10 on Thursday night against the Buffalo Bills by welcoming an old friend. Rex Ryan returned to the Meadowlands for the first time since receiving the axe from owner Woody Johnson, leading his new team to a 22-17 victory. Turnovers were gangrene's Achilles heel as Fitzpatrick threw two interceptions and a fumble on a kick return was taken back for a touchdown. Another slow start put the Jets down 19-3, and a strong second half wasn't enough. Brandon Marshall. Every week is a missed opportunity when you don't capitalize, and you know we started off slow, start getting some rhythm in the second half, but it wasn't enough. They made more plays than us. Um, we gave them some plays, some turnovers, and that just can't happen against a team like that, a feisty, hungry team. The loss on Thursday came off a short week as the Jets beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 28-23 just five days earlier. That contest was sloppy as well, and the Jaguars gave it away at the end. Gangrene defense recorded four turnovers, and the line was able to pressure quarterback Blake Bortles, recording six sacks. Rookie linebacker Lorenzo Malden. Each week, each week is the same. We want to come out with a, uh, with three or more turnovers. So, um, I mean, we emphasize big on uh, you get three or more turnovers, you're going to win the game. You have a, a likely chance to win the game. Gangrene hasn't looked right since going into New England at 4-1. Dropping three of the last four, the team is in the midst of a midseason crisis. The Jets need to win games like these against beatable teams to stay in the wildcard hunt. The strength of Gangrene is in their ability to win the turnover battle, which has not been seen in recent weeks. This junction in the season needs to be the turning point for Todd Bowles and company, and the Jets need to start creating turnovers to win games again. Covering the... I'm Matthew Crow, WFUV Sports. Thank you very much, Matt. I have a correction. It's Tom Scabelli, not Tom Scuba, as I believe I said previously. My it's bad, all right. Tom. I've heard worse. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. So, thank you very much, Matt. So, last night game, Jets, Bills, the return of Rex Ryan. And if you couldn't make Rex Ryan more insufferable, you did last <laughs> night as his uh, his new boys in red come away with a 22-17 to victory at the Meadowlands. One quick aside before he delve into the game itself. How bad were uniforms? those uniforms? It looked like Christmas. <laughs> they they pay the NFL is a billion dollar a year industry, and I imagine they have a team full of people dedicated to picking these uniforms. Right? They got to fire all of them. 
I yeah. think. I mean, wh- who picked that shade of, of green? Who picked that shade of red? It, it was bad. I, I turned to my roommate. I, I didn't turn on the first corner. I was like, what is going on <laughs> in the Jet game? It looked like I didn't even see anything like that. They were pretty terrible uniforms. That I guess it matched the play on the field. <laughs> what else did you expect from a, uh, a Bills Jets? I, one, of the, one of the funnier uh, tweets I saw over, over social media was, I suppose colorblind people couldn't tell which team was which because both jerseys were essentially neon. And someone was tweeting, oh, you know, we, we can't see. And somebody fired back. You know, this game's pretty hard to watch for all of us, not just you guys who can't see anything. So I thought that that summed it up nicely. But there were some there were some good storylines there. So Rex Ryan, after the game, uh, compared it to getting dumped by a girl, and then she calls you back and you don't have to answer. I imagine Rex has been dumped by many girls, so he knows the feeling. <laughs> what, what did you think there about Rex Ryan's exuberance at the end of that one? I'm not a Rex Ryan fan. Never <laughs> have been. I'm still not. I, I love how after the game he goes like, I didn't go out pregame because this game wasn't about me. Meanwhile, the entire week, he's making the whole thing like about himself. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to you know, not be present for the pregame warm-ups, which drew even more attention to himself. So I think Rex Ryan, he's a hypocrite. I, I don't care for him. I'm a little upset to see him get that satisfaction with the win. Classless. He, he is a great showman, and that's one thing you appreciate with Rex is these bold statements. His team doesn't have a prayer of backing up. But last night they did. They forced three turnovers. They got a heck of a game out of Bakari Rambo, an All-American in college, I believe at Georgia, who's a fantastic player on that Bills defense. But the real story here is there might be some long-term trouble for the Jets because Chris Ivory, in the first six to eight weeks of every season, pounds the ball. He's running extremely hard. He's over 100 yards per game. He got 99 yards last night. It wasn't pretty. He does not look as fast, as strong, as healthy as he was just two weeks ago. And Zach Stacy is back, a solid player in his own right, broke his ankle. So right now, the Jets are thin at running back, and they really, really need that running back to take the pressure off Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I mean, Ivory was looking like mini-beast mode in the beginning of the season. That's Mm -hmm. what everyone was calling him. He was running like Marshawn Lynch. But it started the Patriot game and then the Raider game, the Jaguar game. He had three weeks. I don't know exactly. I think it was like 55 carries for 80-something yards. It, It was bad. Last night, he did have 99 yards. Like you said, it didn't look pretty. And Ryan Fitzpatrick hasn't been that bad. He's starting to look a little worse, but for the most part, you know, you can't rely on Ryan Fitzpatrick to really carry a passing game. The Jets need a running game, and if Ivory's not going to be the player he was in the beginning of the season, the offense is in trouble. they they got to in- invent something. Part of it's Nick Mangles, a little banged up, not getting on those blocks like he usually does. But the Bills did force three turnovers. They got two pretty ugly picks from Fitzpatrick, and the big one, a 19-yard fumble return on a kickoff for a touchdown, which is just a punch-in-the-gut turnover that shouldn't happen at the NFL level. If you're a Jets fan, I guess you can take some confidence in saying, okay, these guys didn't really beat us. We really did a pretty good number on ourselves. But you can't take too much confidence in that because that's two or three times now this season the Jets have just flat out you know, beat the snot out of themselves with these mental errors. The defense played pretty well, I thought. I mean, obviously they let up you know, a couple drives here and there. Four big sacks on Tyrod Taylor. It felt like you were watching T-Mobile run for his life most <laughs> of the night. Uh, he's very well acquainted with the turf right now at Meadowlands. Um, so, so what did you think, you know, buying away, what are your biggest takeaways from this game? I think the biggest takeaway from this game is that neither team is very good. And it's a shame because one of them is probably going to make the playoffs because the rest of the AFC is so weak. If, if not both. Yeah, one if, if not two. I mean, I think between the two of them, the Steelers and Raiders, probably the four teams, they'll send two. So, I mean, neither team looked great. Both offenses didn't look great. I will say the Bills running game has been very impressive. LaShawn McCoy has been very good. And Carlos Williams, fifth-round pick out of Florida State, has been absolutely huge this season when McCoy was hurt and now now he's been really nice so 
if they get that run game going and you call them T-Mobile, I've heard Ty God too instead of Ty Rod. Uh, <laughs> if they keep going and you got Sammy Watkins on the outside, the Bills could have a dangerous team. I agree, and I think the the biggest thing working against them. I, I I read this ridiculous stat the other week that after a win, Rex Ryan is two and seventeen. So what do you think? He's out all week celebrating it or something? <laughs> but it it just kind of, it is kind of funny that Rex is the ultimate hype man, and I feel in these big games where he gets his guys up and going, it's tough to sustain over a sixteen game season. And he's not this offensive minded guy. If the Jets didn't essentially hand them two touchdowns last night, they don't win this game. Even as inept as the Jets' offense were, their special teams didn't make some key mistakes. And the, one of the biggest plays, again, so the, the Bills puncher bobbles the snap. Colton Schmidt drops it, looking like that poor kid from Michigan. Jets <laughs> recover on the 13. Can't score. Questionable play calling by Chan Gailey down there. They need a third option to emerge because Decker's a great player. Marshall wasn't at his best last night. But who's their third option? You know, Jeremy Curley? I, I don't think... It's not Kellen Davis. It's certainly not Kellen. I didn't know Kellen Davis was in the league. I thought it was Kellen Winslow for a second. He has one catch this year, and on the biggest (laughs) play of the game, arguably the biggest play of your season so far, you're throwing to Kellen Davis. I just I don't see that at all. I know uh, both Marshall and Decker were double teamed, but you got to do something creative to try to get the ball in one of their hands. Get it to Ivory. Do not throw to Kellen Davis. And Kellen Davis was open, and he looked like a lumbering bear trying to find <laughs> the ball in the air. I think if they, you know, he had twenty chances to find that ball, he's never going to catch it. So a tough loss for the Jets puts them in third in the AFCs. Not the position this team thought they'd be in after they went out and. Broke the bank on defense after they picked up Revis and Cromartie and Buster Screen, and they kept this dominant front seven. I mean, that's got to weigh on you more than anything. Is that they went out and spent all this money, and all of a sudden you're sitting at five and four, not executing the little things, thinking that's a lot of money if we end up out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean the Jets are they could be in trouble, like you said. You spent that much money, and your defense has been underperforming even. Last week in the win, it didn't look good against Jacksonville. The Blake Bortles did pretty good number on them. So I think the Jets really need to pick it up. Last night was a really some questionable coaching decisions. Another saying oh, yeah. Todd Bowles made some bad. You had oh, the beginning yeah. of the fourth quarter. I think it was fourth down there when the Bills like 22, and you're down 22-10, and they went for instead of taking the field goal. Then at the end of the game going for it again instead of taking the field goal. It's kind of a no-win situation for the coach. Mm. I know last week you had Dan Quinn uh, for the Falcons in San Francisco. They were saying, how do you kick that field goal? And now this week they're saying, oh, how does he not kick the field goal with Bowles? So it's a tough spot for the Jets, but I think that game could have definitely been coached a little bit better. I agree. And Todd Bowles is a defensive-minded guy. Chan Gailey, I suppose you should say, is quote-unquote an offensive guy. But Chan Gailey's had enough stops in the NFL and hasn't held enough jobs to the point where you can say, okay, this is not a top-flight offensive coordinator. And they're letting the moment get to them. And part of it is the short week. You know, part of it, oh, shoot, you know, we, we made some mistakes. There's not there's not a ton of time to game plan, and part of it runs deeper than that. So if you're a Jets fan, you know, take some solace. They now get 10 days off, and they get to go into to Houston and play an anemic Texans team. But we're going to talk, we'll preview that matchup a little bit uh, in the future. So right now we're going to shift over to the NFL in general. And uh, you might have your own ideas out right now. I want to talk about two teams that everyone picked or, you know, the majority of people saw as Super Bowl contenders, and they're starting to slip a little bit, and that's the Broncos and the Packers. So this is two teams that before the season, you know, people are estimating Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for 6,000 yards, and Peyton Manning's Broncos, potentially one of the best defenses out there. 
Broncos look pretty good. They took a tough one on the chin last week to the Colts. And Andrew Luck, obviously Andrew Luck, paid for that win with the loss of his spleen and I believe four other major organs, if you were to believe ESPN, <laughs> um, who really still love Andrew Luck. It's, yeah. it's amazing. So uh, I don't know if you got a chance to catch that game or not. What do you think about the Broncos' long-term prospects right now? I don't think they're very good. Uh, I think that defensively they're legit. They have one of the best defenses, I think, in the past couple seasons in the NFL. They get a pass rush. They stop the run. They have a good secondary. It really is impressive. Now, you know, keep Tlaib suspended for a game. Chris Harris a little bit banged up. You may start to see, you know, a little uh, chink in the armor. But I don't know. I think that they're still a good defense. But they've almost become, we're talking about the Jets, like the 2009 to 2010 Jets. Great defense, and your quarterback's like a liability. And it's crazy to compare Peyton Manning to Mark Sanchez, but he's got 13 picks through eight games. That's who he's playing on. It is very, very strange to think about. But here are the Broncos and Peyton Manning, and what's the best way to compare them? I think my grandpa was watching the game, called me up and said, Peyton Manning has a noodle arm. It's true. You see him throw these five yards out, and you're thinking, I I think I could do that better. I'm not sure. But it's been almost a stunning decline. And the key to beating this team that no one's really committed to and no one's really done yet that I thought the Colts did a very good job of, they put up 120 yards on the ground. And that's what you want to do against these Broncos defense. You need to wear them out. They have two dominant pass rushers if they're healthy and DeMarcus Ware and Vaughn Miller. But if they're, you know, they're, they're a little banged up at those positions now, you, you assume come January they'll have that pass rush. If you can move the ball via the ground on them, that's huge. And DeMarcus Ware slowed down pretty bad in these past couple seasons. I think I read some statistic that said 80% of his sacks have come before the halfway point of the season. If, wow. you're the Col- if you're the Broncos, that's alarming. And right now he's dealing with a back injury. I mean, I don't know too many football players that hurt their back midseason and then two months later thinking, wow, that guy looks great. That's, a, that's an attrition injury. That's something that makes it hard to get out of your stance, fire around, make those tackles. That's going to hurt them in the long run. So one of the bigger takeaways in this game, Aqib Tlaib uh, poking <laughs> Dwayne Allen decision in Aqib the Tlaib. eye. Aqib Tlaib's a hothead. I was reading his bio. He, um, got in a fight with a teammate at the NFL Rookie Symposium, <laughs> which is designed to tell you to be smart. Um, fired a couple of guns. I think he shot at his ex, his his sister's ex-boyfriend. He fired a gun at him, and somehow that, that got dropped, insufficient evidence. So you know Aqib Tlaib's not the best decision maker. But I love after the game when he says it was an accident, I was trying to poke him in the forehead, As if that's and better. he flopped. <laughs> do, do, do you not think that people have televisions and that they saw that 4,000 times and that you could possibly misconstrue that poke in the eye for, oh, I was just trying to poke him in the forehead. What, what a dunce. I mean, that's just, it's, it's, it's such inexcusable. A, it's such a selfish move. The Broncos may have won that game, if not for that move, and he do, he makes it all about himself. I don't get it. You see this a lot in the NFL. I don't understand you know, whether it's a touchdown celebration or something that costs your team. Just be smart. Play smarter. He's trying to prove that he's a key to lead, that a super tough guy, you know, hard hardened cornerback. Their defense is tough. You got a great defense. Your defense had at that point done their job, and you felt the need to go over and poke the other team's mediocre tight end in the eye. Claim it. He's claiming he flopped, too, uh, as if, you know, I don't know, Keith. Let him poke you in the eye and see how you're feeling after that. But So that, that, that's a big mistake. Um, I think the Broncos will, will be there at the end. But right now, not so sure about those Packers. The Two Packers, straight losses, not pretty. They're more surprising, I think, than the Broncos because you kind of saw it with the Broncos as Peyton's kind of coming towards the end. But Aaron Rodgers, the past, like, month or so, I know he had that, I think it was five or six touchdown game against Kansas City on Monday night. 
And ever since then, he's been very average. Like, he has not been playing that well. And the Packers are suffering. They've lost two in a row now. I don't know what's wrong with them. I think it's the Jordy Nelson injury, probably. They really can't stretch the field without him. And they thought Devontae Adams was going to be that guy, but he's just been not very up. good. He's, he's, I, I think Devontae Adams isn't isn't a bad player, a second-year player out of Fresno State. I think he's, if he's missed, I think, three games with an ankle injury. Randall Cobb's got a sprained shoulder. I remember last season when watching the Patriots play the Packers and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers out-dueled Tom Brady looked unstoppable against a defense with Darrell Revis and Brandon Browner and Devin McCourty, and you thought, you know, I, I wouldn't have had a problem making the argument right there that right then and there, Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in the NFL. When he started the season, I thought, we're very, I'm very thankful to have Tom Brady as my team's quarterback, and a lot of teams have good quarterbacks, but Rodgers is the best, and right now he's not. And this, this is the difference, is you've got to adapt in this league. You have to find some way. So, obviously, Jordy Nelson out hurts. And Devontae Adams being banged up and Randall Cobb being banged up, it hurts. You've got to find a way to adapt. And I think what's going to hurt him here is that Mike McCarthy is their head coach. And Mike McCarthy, for all the talent he has, is not a very good head coach. If you, if you would watch last year's NFC Championship game, he, play, he doesn't play to win. He plays not to lose. Right, you he's get a, not a big risk taker. Not a big risk taker. And right now he's not helping his quarterback out. I mean, Rodgers has dropped, uh, I believe, a yard and a half per drop back, uh, and he's on pace to throw under 4,000 yards. I don't think this is an Aaron Rodgers attrition problem. I think this is our receivers are banged up and we can't adapt. And the difference between these great coaches, these guys that figure out a way to get it done, and that second tier is that right now Mike McCarthy's locked in a dark room being like, how do I figure this out? And I don't think he can figure it out. So I don't know. I think I thought the Panthers were overrated. I guess I'm wrong. I think the Packers are overrated. Yeah, I think the Packers are overrated. Another thing with them is the running game has been terrible. Fat Eddie Lacy, as they call Eddie, him, has oh been bad. I think James Starks at this point may actually be the more talented running back. He's going to start this week, I think, so maybe that'll shake it up. And I think, like you said, it's a little bit of coaching ineptitude. No Jordy Nelson and no running game are really taking a toll on Aaron Rodgers this year. Eddie Lacy has fallen into this... This this Alabama running back mold where you put on a few pounds too many and all of a sudden you lack that speed to play in the NFL. Mark Ingram's turned it around. Tretz Richardson did not. But right now, Eddie Lacy doesn't scare me at all. No. You know, he's, he's terrible. I drafted my fantasy team. We'll talk about it later with Connor. And, you know, he slipped to me at seven. And I thought, okay, great. Eddie Lacy at seven, of course. And now it looks like, you know, you know, a little sister of the poor and none could be running the ball better than Eddie Lacy could. It's, it's horrendous. And that's, that's killing him, too. Rodgers well, yeah. can't do it on it by himself with that bad receiving course. So they gotta, like you said, Stark's a good back. Stark's he is. runs hard. And I remember that from their Super Bowl run in 2010. He he really is a good running back, and I think he's he's better than Eddie Lacy. I know they never really give him the chance to be the starter. No, but you know they're doing it this weekend. I think it it could hold if you you know we'll talk fantasy later. But I think it almost could be time to drop. Eddie Lacy. I don't know how I much more you're going to get out of him. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the misery factor seeing Eddie Lacy putting up one and two points a game. I just didn't want to didn't want to look at that one anymore. The other thing that's hurt, they've had injuries to their top three cornerbacks. James Shields being out really hurt. So they've gotten gashed through the air. They're allowing think, 315 yards per game and the fifth highest QBR over the past two weeks. If those injuries sort themselves out, I, I would again you you expect to see Aaron Rodgers there at the end, but right now. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm but really if there's not. anything that get them back on the right track, it's a date this Sunday with the Lions and Jim that, Caldwell. That can't hurt. Jim Jim Caldwell had to go on, go uh, talk to the media and confirm he was still alive. He, he was telling <laughs> them, "Don't worry, I'm still here." So right now we'll transition into 
what should be far and away the best matchup in the NFL this week. Certainly the one that's going to get myself and Tom the angriest. So let's talk Giants-Patriots. And we're going to head over to our main man, Christian O'Hara, with his Giants report right now. The New York Giants are 5-4. and four. With a much-needed road win over Tampa Bay last Sunday, the Giants maintain their spot atop the NFC East standings. Eli Manning threw for two touchdown passes, and the defense stopped rookie quarterback Jameis Winston when they needed to most. He finished the game without throwing a touchdown pass. New York must now turn their attention to the best team in the NFL, the defending Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. The Giants have had perhaps the most recent success of any team in the league against New England. Big Blue is 3-1 in their last four games versus the Patriots, with wins in Super Bowls 42 and 46, and a road win in Foxborough during the 2011 season. The Giants hope that trend continues in an important game at home. A big key on defense will be the ability to pressure Tom Brady and force him into bad decisions, something easier said than done as Brady has only thrown two picks this entire season. Here's defensive tackle Colin Jenkins on getting to Tom Brady. He'll get the ball out fast, you know, a lot of throws, and then all of a sudden he'll hold on to the ball for a little bit. And I know those few plays where he does hold on to the ball, we have to make sure that we're there. On the offensive side of the ball, New York did a good job controlling the tempo and winning time of possession against the Bucks. I believe a similar game plan will help Big Blue on Sunday. Keeping the Patriots' offense off the field may be the best defense for the Giants. New York's pass defense hasn't been anything to marvel at this season, and limiting the number of times Brady has the ball will only help New York's cause. Also, covering Rob Gronkowski is a pretty good idea. Again, easier said than done, as the NFL has noticed. At the end of the day, I believe the Giants would win this game if Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski weren't playing. But they are, so I believe New England's offense will be too much for Big Blue to handle. I think Tom Brady will have success on Sunday, and that usually leads to Patriots wins. I see a similar situation unfolding at the Meadowlands this Sunday. I like the Patriots in this one, 35-24. With the Giants report, I'm Christian O'Hara, WFUV Sports. Well, this one brings up some bad memories, huh, Tom? Not for me. This brings some of the best <laughs> times of my childhood. Super Bowl 42, Super Bowl 46. Never forget. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a good start. Uh, so... <laughs> Here's some fun stats the media has been floating around. Brady's 1-3 against the Giants, obviously, including those two devastating losses in the Super Bowl. And since the start of 2008, the Patriots have beaten every team in the NFL except for the Giants. Now, here's, here's the point I'm going to make, and I'm going to pound when all week everyone's puffing up Tom Coughlin and how he found the blueprint to beat Belichick and to beat Brady. And admittably, Tom Coughlin's not scared of the Patriots, and a lot of coaches, no matter what they say, are. Look at Chuck Pagano. You come out and you start doing stupid stuff. Tom Coughlin's not going to do that. But, and this is the big one, the ability for those Giants to beat the Patriots, and the blueprint that I'll tell everyone on how to beat the Patriots is if you can get pressure with just four or three people and make him blink with eight or seven in the secondary, you're going to be in that game at the very end, even if you don't win. That's what those Giants teams in the Super Bowl did. But, as other people keep saying, OCU Manura, Justin Tuck, Michael Strand not walking through no, the door yeah. on Sunday. This is not the same uh, Giants pass rush. They could help a lot, though. I, I <laughs> they could, they, yeah. They, they Strand wants to play, I'm sure. I mean, they, the Giants, I've never seen a team, I've said this a couple of times, get less pass rush on a quarterback than the Giants do. It, it's unreal. And Jason Pierre-Paul, 
looked pretty good last week. He did look pretty good, so maybe he'll come back this week. I still don't think he's going to be you know, the force he was in 2011 just yet or, or ever again, maybe. But the rest of that Giants defensive line, Marcus Kuhn, he's their defensive tackle. Uh, I think Pro Football Focus has them rate, has him rated as the worst defensive tackle in football this year. So it's it's going to be hard to get pressure on him. And I think that is the key. Can the Giants get pressure on Tom Brady? But either way, I really think this game's going to be a shootout. I think we're going to see at least like 60 combined points. Now here's where I disagree with you. If Larry Donnell's out of the game and the New, Eng- New England's defense has been letting up 80 points per game, or excuse me, 80 points per game. Yeah, they've been doing great. 80 <laughs> yards per game on the ground since week one when they played in um, – Excuse me, the Steelers. So you're focusing a little bit more on Antonio Brown. You don't have as many guys in the box. Giants running backs don't scare me. They're not bad, but they're not these top. Yeah, they're pretty close guys. to being bad. They're very. <laughs> yeah, they're right on that thin gray line. One thing Bill Belichick does best is he takes your best player out of the game. So another key that those old Giants teams had was they had three or four guys to spread the ball to, and Eli did a fantastic job in 2011, especially saying, "Okay, you know, you take one guy, you know." You Take him out of the game. We're going to give the ball to Victor Cruz. We're going to spread this ball around. They don't have that. Like Ruben Randall is, is that your go-to guy? If 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 yeah. they can take, yeah. I mean, you got Shane Vereen out of the backfield too. Maybe a little revenge. But game he's a he's Vereen. a Patriots guy, and that's going to make it very hard. Yeah, they they know what Shane Vereen's doing. I mean, that's the other thing against the Giants. If you don't cover Shane Vereen out of the backfield, who I think is their second best receiver, you deserve to lose. Yeah. And again, that's that's how the they're gonna have the Giants need people to step up that you haven't heard from all season. You need like a game Larry Donnell had last year where no one knew his name when he came out and killed someone, and that's their way to stay in this game because Odell Beckham Jr. is not gonna go out for two hundred and forty yards. They're not. And if he does, he's gonna earn every inch and it's not gonna come in the flow of the game because the Patriots really don't like letting your number one guy beat them. If your number two and three guys do it fine, they played great. That that is what it is. On the I think this game, from the Patriots' defensive perspective, is going to be a coming-out party. The Patriots' defense has only wow. let up four more. <laughs> hey, they've only let up four more points than the Broncos. No one's talking about them. That's a top-five defense no. in the L. Excuse me, in the L, in the NFL, <laughs> that no one's talking about. And this Giants' defense is as bad as advertised. I mean, you let up 422 yards per game. It's pretty terrible. Over 300 through the air. And they haven't played the creme de la creme de la quarterbacks. They played one guy who's top-five, Drew Brees, I think we I think we saw that one. Yeah. I mean, so what do you think? How do you, if if the Giants are going to pull this out, which we agree would be a monumental upset and break my heart again, how are they going to do it? Well, I think they're going to do it on the right arm of Eli Manning, like they did, like they've been doing this year. He's having a great year, and like you said, I wouldn't even bother trying to establish much of a run this week. The Patriots are really good against the run. Rashad Jennings isn't going to get anything going. Orleans Dirkwa, he's looked kind of okay. I don't think he's, <laughs> he's really okay. going to be much. Andre Williams is terrible. Don't even get me started on him. <laughs> so you got Shane Vereen out of the backfield. And like you, you mentioned the Beckham matchup. I'm really excited to see what the Patriots, if they're going to be able to slow down Odo Beckham. No one's been able to. Uh, Sherman couldn't do it last year in Seattle. So we'll see if Belichick can. I, I don't think so. I think that he's just too athletic, too much of a freak. If the Patriots had more talent in the secondary, I think so. But the Patriots secondary has been not not, not great. They're okay. They're not, like you said, it's it's the old Belichick model where you don't have those top guys. You have solid players, certainly. The Giants have more talent in the secondary. problem is the Patriots have a very good pass rush. Very, very good. I mean, you have Chandler Jones, Jabal Shear, Jamie Collins blitzing up the middle. You have uh, Dominic Easley on that line. These are guys who can get after the quarterback. So, again, there's going to be a ma- the matchup's going to be Malcolm Butler on Odell Beckham Jr. And Malcolm Butler, the Super Bowl hero, has quietly put together a very good year, starting to cement himself as a number one cornerback, although Odell Beckham Jr. is a better player. So, right. like you said, 
if I'm a Giants fan, I don't have a problem if they drop back and throw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. every single play. You, you can't. I mean, who was they going to give it to? Ruben Randall? Ruben Randall. I mean, he'll need to have a huge been game. Decent, but he just he sometimes he makes some really bad mental mistakes with his route running drop yeah. balls. But so I think the key is focus on Beckham a lot. I saw an article today that their completion percentage to uh, Beckham this year is only like 63 or 64%. And Ben McAdoo said he really wants to get that up. So maybe some more short passes to yeah. Beckham this week. Uh, Larry Dell is out this week, so you're probably going to have a Will Tai, who I actually kind of like. I think he's not he, a bad player. He's, he's pretty good. You got Vereen out of the backfield and Randall. I think those are going to be the four guys you go to this week. I mean, other receivers, Miles White, no, I don't want you know, <laughs> one or two targets a game for anybody that's not one of those four people. And, yeah, you just got to try to beat the Patriots. And it's not going to be easy. I know that. But I've convinced myself that it's <laughs> it's going to happen. I, I mean, we'll get into exact picks later. But I just think there's something with this Giants team, whether it's Coughlin, whether it's Eli, whoever it is, they just think we could beat the Patriots. And I I don't know. I think that's that's big. That confidence is huge. Oh, it's it's definitely important. Here's my counter-argument. Counter They're letting up the most yards per game to NFL tight end. They let the corpse of Ben Watson put up, I think, like 130 yards, the Giants. This right. is Rob Gronkowski oh, yeah. and Tom Brady. And the Giants, as bad as they've been yardage-wise, they have the biggest turnover differential in the league. Excuse me, they have um, you know, forced 21 turnovers. Patriots take care of the ball. They have the fewest turnovers in the league, even with uh, – I, that was one of my favorite things before the year, and this is very telling to every uh, Deflategate truther out there. Oh, I think we're going to see their, their fumbles increase exponentially when they're playing with properly inflated footballs. Well, they only have three, which I think is the lowest in the league. So, huh, looks like uh, you and Bill Nye, the science guy, were wrong. This is going to be a game where they I don't think they can stop Tom Brady. I, re, I really don't. And I think that Patriots defense got good numbers. Maybe it doesn't pass the eye test. It's not pretty, certainly. I don't think this is going to be a close game. At least I hope for my heart and for the you know my roommates are Giants fans for their safety. I hope this is not a close. Game. I'm kidding about that, but it's this is not a game the Patriots should lose. I I will say like yeah, my heart is picking the Giants. My heart saying it's <laughs> definitely the Giants with the Patriots. But if the Patriots come out and beat the Giants. 44 to 10 I'll be like yep yeah, yeah. I I, I, I kind of saw that coming a little bit in the back of my head like <laughs> they won't at- it won't be 44 to 10 some some scrub receiver will catch a ball off his helmet and I don't you know, it's just <laughs> this is this is this week's just the worst so let's let's transition off this it should be a great game it's the 425 game of the week so let's let's take a quick look ahead we discussed the Jets a little bit earlier in the broadcast let's talk Jets Texans that's coming up a week so the Texans are going to play big chance to rebound for the Jets very big yeah, Texans are are bad. They're, they're really bad. I think three and five. They're just a bad team. There, there's no way around mm-hmm. it. But the key for the Jets is if Fitzpatrick is going to be healthy for yeah. next Sunday. So he's, he's getting the surgery the, today. Yeah, he's having that thumb surgery today. If he's not, and you've got to start Geno Smith next Sunday, oh boy, then I'm taking the Texans. I don't care how bad they are. <laughs> the, the funny thing about the Texans, Brian Hoyer quietly putting together a, not a bad year. I mean, thirteen, 13 touchdowns, three interceptions. They're just bad everywhere, and losing Arian Foster doesn't help. Didn't help my fantasy team either. Uh, no, doesn't doesn't help anyone's fantasy team. So they have this really, really bad running game, and it was bad with Arian Foster, and I don't think Alfred Blue is going to make it any better. They, and they're, they're one big weapon, the guy I really feel for, because he is a top-five receiver in the NFL, DeAndre Hopkins, somehow still getting 108 yards per game. Not going to matter when they play because he's going to draw Revis. And if there's one thing Darrell Revis is going to ensure, you're going below your season average, generally by less than half. He's he's still one of the best uh 
People last night, people were saying that Darrell Revis was getting yeah, beat by that. Sammy Watkins. I don't think they know how hard it is to shut a guy down with no help for anything. And you're so spoiled watching Darrell Revis play because he's running the route for you. A lot of those routes that Watkins was getting open for, he's making two or three moves at the line of scrimmage and just running three yards. Do you, I don't think people understand how hard that pass is to stop. Yeah, it's very hard. I mean, I think Revis gave up three catches for 14 yards yesterday. So the fact that they're saying People oh, he are got, saying Revis didn't yeah, look good. The fact that he got burned, is it's ridiculous. He did give up that third down conversion at the end of the game to Watkins, which kind of sealed it for the Bills. But, I mean, like I said, it was like a three-yard out route to yeah, the sideline. That's really so hard to stop. Not much he could have done. I think DeAndre Hopkins is legit, though. Like, he's really good. He could be a top three receiver even in the yeah. NFL. Uh, probably fourth. You got Julio Brown and ODB, mm-hmm. I guess you'd say yeah, top three. I agree. So he's top four, maybe top I, five. Mm, yeah, that yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> this just could be another argument. Uh, Julian Edelman, number one. Julian Edelman, yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot Brandon LaFell, too. LaFell, <laughs> sh- yeah. He's getting his hands back. He'll be he'll be fine. Another he, like One of the things that was curious that the Jets have to fix, and I think a lot of teams, they say, okay, if we're going to get beat, it'll be this way. The back-out-of-backfield completions is such a dangerous weapon because it's demoralizing. You have everyone covered. You get some 250-pound linebacker in coverage. They're going to lose that battle. So the Jets, they, you know, the um, Bills attempted five completions with Sean McCoy. Caught all of them, 47 yards. <coughs> that's that's pretty good. Uh, and that's something not going bad. forward. I mean, all right, Alfred Blue might not give you those matchup nightmares. They're, they're, that's a part of their defense they have to fix, the Jets. That's yeah. a big, demoralizing, heartbreaking thing. And and it kind of gets the team sniping at each other because the guys in the secondary are exhausted and the pass rushers are exhausted. And they're like, what are these? What are the linebackers doing? That's the biggest mismatch you can find. So if, if teams can create it with success like the Bills did last night, that's going to be a point of contention because that nullifies Darrell Revis. Like, Go ahead, lock down our top two guys. We'll just throw the ball to some scrub running back. We'll pick up a bunch of yards. Yeah, and the other thing about the Texans is they play at the fastest pace in the NFL. So they're going to make that defense even more tired. Revis and Cromartie in the secondary, they're they're a little old. They're getting a little old. They're, so if you're going to really old. be playing a lot, it's going to be hard for them to keep up. I, like I said, the Texans are bad. We, we could try to find reasons to think the Texans are going to win. The only reason the Texans, I think, realistically can win is if Geno Smith is that quarterback. Yeah, Geno is Geno's bad. The worst. Geno was... You know, I, I laughed when they picked up Fitzpatrick thinking, oh, yeah, there's your, there's your success story. 15 touchdowns, nine interceptions, been managing the game. He's made some good throws. Last night, not great. He's been pretty good. He has not yes. been the problem with this Jets team. Um, I think, like you said, there's been some games they've handed to teams. I think the Jets are a really good football team. I think that defense is, could give teams a lot of trouble come January. they got to get in, though, because right, if the playoffs started today, they're in that sixth spot, but they got a pretty tough <coughs> route out. They do. I think it, funnily enough, might come down to Jets-Bills in Buffalo for that playoff spot. Yeah, the Jets do have a little bit of a tough road. I actually, last night, just had a pure boredom. I was going through and making midseason NFL picks, who mm-hmm. I thought was going to get to the playoffs. I had the Bills and the Steelers getting in the wild cards. I think the Jets will finish 9-7 and seven also with the Bills, but I think the Bills are going to... That win last night right was now. huge. Yeah, that hurts. Because you've got that win now at MetLife. I, I don't want to say you assume the Bills win in Buffalo, but they've got a good chance, especially since it's in Buffalo. I think that's going to be a killer, and I think either the Steelers or Raiders are going to grab that second wild card. Raiders have a lot of young talent. There's more reason for optimism right now in Oakland than there, have, I think, probably ever has been since the days of uh, Jack Tatum and the bad boys back right. there in the second. It's been 30 years, so you kind of think, okay, Raiders, you take this, you take some of that young talent and enjoy it. 
Uh, so, yeah, the, the Jets have those 10 days off. Todd Battle's a good coach. They're, they'll make some adjustments. They're going to come back just fine from this. But it's, it is a bad loss. It's yeah, a bad, it, bad it's loss. It's a bad loss because they didn't look good and because of how important it was, like we yeah. said, in the playoff chase. All right, so now we're going to do a little transition to our guy on the fantasy football side of things. Connor Martinez is going to come in and fix your fantasy football team. So we're going to go over right now. All righty, guys, we're going to start it's with starting systems, and we're going to go with the quarterback position, one of, one of the biggest, one of the most important positions in the NFL. And I'm going to go with someone that you guys might know, Kirk Cousins. He's uh, not, He's been an okay average, and but he's going against the Saints. And everyone who's watched the Giants, Saints giving up the most points to opposing quarterbacks in the NFL. Giving up 10 points on average, depending on your league. And the Saints have given up an average over four touchdowns in the past three games. My sit for the quarterback position is going to be Marcus Mariota. Although Carolina is right around the league average with points given up, most games they only give up one or zero touchdowns. And it, doesn't just, it just doesn't look like a good matchup for a rookie quarterback. Now over to the running backs, I'm going to start Justin Forsett for Baltimore. Forsett hasn't seen the end zone that often this year, which mean, which is mainly why he's just an average running back, maybe a little above average, depending, again, on your league. But I think he's going to um, uh, bust into the end zone this uh, this week against the Jaguars, who give up touchdowns in bunches. They've only given up six touchdowns, but most of them have gone into in only two games, four and two. Uh, I'm going to sit Chris Johnson against the Seahawks. Seahawks are number one against the run. They've only given up two touchdowns all year against the running backs. And it doesn't look like a good matchup for a veteran running back. I'm going to start Allen Robinson for a wide receiver. Robinson has proven to be a reliable starting wide receiver, especially after his performance on Revis Island. This week, though, he's going to light it up against the Baltimore secondary, which has been giving up two touchdowns to wide receivers in the past three weeks on average. Good start right there. Larry Fitzgerald, though, is going to be sitting on the bench in my league. After his hot start to the season, Fitzgerald has slowed down quite a bit. To make matters worse, the Seahawks have only given up one touchdown to opposing wide receivers all year. Not a good matchup. If you have given, if you have someone else to plug in, plug them in now. And finally, for tight ends, I'm going to start Jordan Reed. Reed has been a solid option when he's been playing this season, and going against one of the worst defenses for tight ends, I expect his production to rise this week. And sitting, I'm going to go with Jimmy Graham. Graham has shown periods of offensive ability this year, but for the most part, the tight end has been relatively average. The Cardinals' defense is one of the best in the NFL at stopping the tight end position, so I would say Graham should be sitting on your bench. That's all I have for fantasy football, guys. All right, well, thank you very much. So I, I have a couple questions. I have two quarterbacks. They're facing off, Carson Palmer and Russell Wilson. Um, I think the Seahawks are criminally overrated. I think it's a shame, really, that I think they're still ranked 7th in the NFL power rankings, I just don't think they're very good. Who do I start? Who do I sit? Carson versus Russell. I, I would go with Russell Wilson over Carson, Carson Palmer, only because Russell gives you more options at running, which picks up good amounts of points for fantasy quarterbacks. And I know you think that the Seahawks are overrated, but they're number one in fantasy against stopping the run offense and stopping the passing de- um, uh, offense. So they have something going for them still. Then uh, just to give you another question for me, is there any defenses you like this week that maybe are, besides the top ones like the Broncos, that you think could be available that you think are going to have a nice week? Um, Although the Patriots could be considered a top defense, I, I, I'm agreeing that they're not going to stop the Giants. The Giants are going to get blown out, I think. 
Uh, I know it's gonna. It seems uh, not a favorable position here, but I think the Giants are gonna throw a couple interceptions, fumbles. I just see the Patriots being as a good defense to start, if not just a solid defense all around. I like that. that Connor had good my mic, but I would have shrugged <laughs> if, if, when he said that. If I would have had it in front of me, I actually dropped the Patriots defense in my league this week and picked up the Packers against the Lions because the Matt Packers Stafford, defense. I know, I know oh, they're bad, oh. but Matt Stafford throws interceptions like it's his job. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you very much, Connor, for some very useful fantasy help. How are you doing so far this year in fantasy time? Uh, two leagues that aren't pay leagues. I'm doing very well, 7-2. So, and so two. you have n- no money. And then, and then yeah. my one money league, I'm 4-5. and five and I'm on the brink of elimination. Big week for me. Uh, All right. It could get ugly. All righty. So now we're going to do a little quick transition to our pick We're going to tell you who's going to win how they're going to win. Uh, so let's get that fired up. All righty, so we're going to start, obviously, with the Patriots and the Giants. Uh, Well, this one I I hope is a no-brainer. I think the Patriots are the consensus best team in the NFL, and I'm not sure if anyone can slow them down. Tom? I believe in Eli. I think they could beat the Patriots. They're the one team that could beat the Patriots. Something's going to happen, whether it's a helmet catch, whether it's a ridiculous line line catch. Maybe I'm picking with my heart here. Actually, I definitely am. But I'm going to say the Giants win a slugfest and end the Patriots' undefeated season. Connor, uh, I'm going to have to go with the Patriots. Although the Giants have magic up their sleeves every time <laughs> they play the Patriots, I just don't see how the Patriots are going to lose this one. Rich? I'm going to have to go with the Giants, too. I believe uh, Eli will come out of top, beat Tom Brady again, and come out with a win. That's a good, good delusional group we have here. Uh, Dan, what we got? I'm going to add to the craziness. I oh, can't. Come on! I'm not picking the Patriots. I cannot, with a good, in good conscience, do so. so. You just need to use your brain, not your conscience. G-men all the way. Oh, my goodness. All right, so I don't know how valid our group's opinions are, but listen, keep listening anyway. So, uh, Vikings-Raiders. Probably the first time a Vikings-Raiders game has been relevant since the days of, like, Fran Tarkenden and Alan Page, who are guys that probably played in wooden helmets. Uh, I like the Raiders. They got a lot of young talent, and I don't think the Vikings are as good as their six and two records suggest. Yeah, this is Tom? quietly one of the best games of this week, and I think Adrian Peterson's going to make his mark felt, and Teddy Bridgewater is going to have a nice game. Vikings are for real. They take this one. Connor, I have to go with the Raiders. That young talent is just pretty under. Well, I guess it's about the right rate. Re- Reading. <laughs> properly, would you say they're properly? Yeah, yeah. That, that's buy what sell. That's what are we doing? Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna go hold. With, I would go with the Raiders, though. Rich, I'm gonna have to go with Teddy Bridgewater, Adrian Peterson over the Vic- uh, over the Raiders. We can talk about that later. Teddy Bridgewater shouldn't be playing this week. He, he was unconscious on the field for a little while, so that, that's an interesting decision. Dan, uh, I wasn't really sold on the Raiders until they beat my Jets, but now I cannot not pick them. So Raiders over Vikings. Got to validate the Jets some way. All right, Cardinals-Seahawks, big, big matchup. I think the Seahawks team's overrated. I think losing um, their second cornerback there, uh, Byron Maxwell, hurts a ton. They, they've Car- Carrie Williams their second guy now. Yeah, Carrie Williams is terrible. This one's going to be a big-time beatdown, Cardinals. I know you think the Seahawks are overrated. I actually think they're better than their record indicates at 4-4. Four and four. I'm taking Russell Wilson and that Seahawks defense at home. They beat the Cardinals in a low-scoring affair. Yeah, I got to agree. I think Marshawn Lynch and Beast Mode has to start waking up, and I think he's going to wake up this week and just run right all over them. I'm going to have to go with the Seahawks on this one. I'm not going to lie. I'm going against the grain here, fellas. Uh, I'm going with the Cardinals. Uh, I know that everyone says that their schedule has been a little easy, but they're quietly having a pretty decent season. And 
yeah, I do think the Seahawks are a little overrated. So Cardinals over Seahawks. Alrighty, gentlemen, and now we're gonna go. Uh, why don't we give a? Yeah, you know, we're gonna save our Jets and Texans pick for next week because technically that is game is next week, and a lot could sort out between now and then with Fitzpatrick's thumb. So let's talk upset special. Give me the Bears over the Rams. The Bears are hot. Uh, they're not very good, but they, you know, I think they're they're a pretty solid football team. Um, the Rams, I think they're overrated, and I think they're going to get their butts beat pretty good this week. Tom? I'm all aboard the Jaguars this week against the Raiders. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, they're going to shred that bad Ravens secondary. You laugh. The Jaguars are a little bit talented. You have to laugh at the Jaguars. Uh, you have funny. to laugh at them. But the Ravens are pretty bad, too. <laughs> I, I, it's a gut feeling. I'm saying the Jags take it. Connor? I'm going to go with Andy Reid and the Chiefs over the Broncos. Andy Reid, out of the bye week, is 14-2, and two, I believe, so... He knows that wow. so I'm going to go with that pick right there. Rich? You guys know I bleed blue, so I'm going to stick with the Giants over the Pats, just in spite of all the Patriot fans over there. <laughs> I believe Eli will come again and become 4 and Me and Rich. against the Pats. In sync. <laughs> as much as I agree in spirit with Rich, my upset pick has got to be Browns over Steelers. I know. I know, Tom, you picked them for a wild card spot earlier. Not happening. Browns over Steelers. The Browns. Oh, man. Johnny Football. All right. Yeah, Johnny. Johnny. J-Money. At least he's not in the news as much as he was. So that just about does things here for uh, WFUV's NFL Friday Week 10 show. Going to be a great slate of games. Going to be another great Sunday. We're running out of them. This is Week 10. Uh, you know, We're coming very close to that depressing time where there is no football. So for all of us here, I'm Joe Marie. Our BOC did a great job. Tom Scabelli got that one right nice. this time. Connor Martinez, as usual, killing it on fantasy. And in the back, Richard Jean and Dan Bradley, as usual, doing a stellar job. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Take care, folks. This has been One-on-One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.